don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. Trying to play safe and do the right thing is probably the most dangerous strategy that there is. We were joined by Dom Boyd, Managing Director of Market Research Company Kantar and previously of agencies such as Adam and Eve DDB, APG and Tribal, which puts him in a strong position to speak to creative trends in advertising with the numbers to back it up. Yes, humour is something we can all relate to and something we often crave in our day-to-day lives. But as our conversation with Dom unveiled, the statistics show that humour in advertising is dwindling and that's having an impact on creative effectiveness, at least in the TV world. Keen to find out more, we grilled Dom on Kantar's advertising research and the numbers behind some of his observations. Now, due to time constraints, this is a shorter episode at about 20 minutes long, but luckily we took the opportunity at the end of this podcast to host a bit of an extended cut where Eve and I shared our own thoughts on how all this ties into social. Emotion is the most powerful way to create behavioural change, and humour is the sharpest element of creating emotion. All this and more, coming up. Has the advertising industry lost its funny bone and become too serious? Okay, so your your question is like, has has the industry lost its funny bone and has advertising become too serious? I think I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm just going to give you the hard facts. The hard facts are very clear. It says that three quarters of the British public, at least, wants to see humour in advertising, just as they do in every other form of cultural entertainment. But the reality is that you're twice as likely to see an ad now without humour as you were 20 years ago. And you're doubly as as likely to see something without any humour than you are with humour. So the the facts say that humour has declined and that there's a disconnect between what the public likes and what it values and what it needs and what advertising is delivering. And that, I would argue, that is very strongly compromising the effectiveness of every bit of creative work um, that the industry is making. And that that is a contributory, a strong contributory factor alongside some others, like reduction in marketing investment and perhaps uh, an increase towards short-termism that is compromising, is that basically acting as a break on effectiveness and a break on the value that the industry is creating for clients and therefore the value that it's creating for business and therefore the value that it's, uh, its ability to get uh, remunerated in the way it deserves. Um, and, you know, so I think there's a really strong sort of link between ultimately between the stronger we're uh, the industry's ability to create humor and strong emotion around that incorporates humor the more people will get paid. Dom, I guess, the, I guess the main question is why has there been a deficit from what you've seen? Why aren't people being as funny as they were in, in the advertising you've seen? <laughs> well, I, look, I don't, the question of why people, you know, are maybe not using humour as much as before is a really good one. But I don't think you could argue that it's a cultural factor. In the UK, are people using less humour? And, you know, I think the answer to that is clearly no. Humour, you know, we can see that because people say they want more humour, but also just because people don't stop, you know, haven't stopped telling jokes even in a pandemic you could argue you know in, historically what you see is humor rising during uh, recessions and difficult timings so is a good antidote to life but i think that, that so 
so there must be some other factors that are involved in that humor. And is it anodyne clients? Is it anodyne agencies? Is it globalization? Is it less creative quality? Um, you know, less ability to understand and to empathize with people because ultimately humor is really about empathy and there's a deeper level of understanding and a deeper level of bravery. I remember reading a book by uh, Jimmy Carr called The Human Jape and he talks about humor as like crossing a canyon and it's an act of bravery where one plus one equals Z and your brain thinks it's going on a linear journey and the, the role of humor is to take it on a diet is sort of a is to make a leap so humor is a creative act and he talks about this canyon as being like a distance and the, the role of a comedian is to judge how big a leap you can help people make and i you know i wonder whether there's a lesson there for the industry for us as an industry and thinking about are we being brave enough are we not helping people make the leap? You know, are we doing stuff which is just a bit predictable and therefore less emotive, less emotionally powerful? And, you know, I think that maybe that's something that we need to help clients with in thinking about it as an act of bravery in selling in work. Maybe that's uh, something that we can be, you know, something we need to improve at. I think it also is a reflection of the closeness of client relationships. Yeah, where clients are willing to take risk is where they have that level of trust, where they have that strong level of relationship so it does suggest maybe relationships are weaker than they were. And I do also wonder whether, you know, humor is, is difficult to travel, a, a difficult thing to make travel globally. And maybe with the globalization of brands and the globalization of marketing departments, maybe that's a factor too. It's not an insurmountable one, though. You know, there are still global, you know, Hollywood's proved that it's possible to incorporate humor very successfully and to scale it. It's not an impossible ask, but it does make it a bit more difficult for sure. Mm. And you say, obviously, there's been a decline, but I'm interested to hear, John, obviously being from Cantal, what the research is and what the numbers are behind this trend and what you can tell us about what you found. Yeah, well, we've got a couple of different numbers. So look, one one I particularly like is from our TGI study. And the question is nearly all TV advertising annoys me, which is uh, tripled from 16 to 46% over the last 20 years. There's another one about agreeing about I enjoy TV ads as much as the programs. And that's halved over the last 30 years from about 32% to 15%. And then the final one, which is you know, the one that discussed on the drum really is a, essentially a, a coding of our global database of ads that we pretest. Uh, you know, we call it the link data bank. And the proportion of those that have intended to use humor um, and it's a it's a coding of of that which is you know so those that are funny and light-hearted has fallen from 53 to 34 percent and those that uh, aren't funny has increased from 47 to 66 percent so you've ended up with a, a difference between those that are funny at 34 percent versus those that are not funny at 66 percent and that that's you know something that we've seen over the last 20 years so those are slightly different sources of data ones are pre-test data banks the other of which is Kantar TGI, but they, they tell a very similar sort of story. The public finds advertising, in particular TV, which should be the most enjoyable, arguably, but, uh, you know, it's more annoying, it's less enjoyable and seemingly incorporating less humour. Uh, and there is probably a link, uh, you know, certainly a correlation between enjoyability and humour. People like stuff that's funny. Uh, it's more emotive. So there is something I think quite dangerous going on, not just for creativity, but the impact, the emotional impact of creative work out. Of, of, well, why, um, why do you think then like, traditional advertisers are maybe, I mean, do you think they're comfortable with humour now or are they willing to accept perhaps that humour has 
you know, it's changed. So you mentioned the differences between TV and, uh, and other mediums. And obviously, like, especially right now, it's maybe not the best climate for some advertisers to be incorporating humor. Everyone's taken the purpose route in a very serious, that sort of emotive, we're all in this together kind of narrative, which I think gets old. And I think I, I enjoy seeing humor from brands as well, especially on social where the humor is like unique. But a lot of advertisers seem to be, you know, put off with it. So where, where do you think uh, the problem sits with advertisers? Is it maybe not understanding a new type of humor on different mediums or just being a bit uncomfortable um, about, you know, annoying people? So, okay, so there's a, a lot of different questions within yeah, that, that excellent question. So you're asking the question is, is, is purpose bleeding humor out of brands? And are clients comfortable with creativity and are channels informing that, um, that lack of humor? So I'm going to start with the fundamentals. So for me, at least, perhaps part of the root of a problem is that marketeers have forgotten what the role of brands are and have become perhaps blinded as to what the difference between what is being meaningful and what a message needs to do. And when you start with advertising as a message, which is a top down um, sort of relationship, sort of assumes that the brand is omnipotent and important and that the audience are essentially slaves to your message. You know, it's it's a little bit like a, a cheap chat up line in a bar, isn't it? But it's not really a very respectful kind of relationship. And, you know, sort of people are, are quite guarded as a result. When you think of your role of a brand as ultimately something that is there to create an emotional reaction that has meaning in people's lives beyond the product and beyond the message, it opens you up to understand the kind of cultural role that um, your brand can really play. And meaning doesn't mean that you have to be serious. And you can still have a, a socially wired progressive stance and an environmental stance as part of that if you, if you want. But it doesn't always have to be advertising of whatever shape or form in whatever medium that has to lead that. There are other things that you can do. And even when you do that, if you do go down that road, it doesn't mean you have to do a serious thing in a serious way. The role of a brand is to engage and to inspire and use communications in a, the most powerful way possible. And everything we've ever learned about the way the human brain is hardwired is that communication is a very subtle medium. When you say to someone, I want you to do this, the chances are they won't do that. They'll do the opposite. Whereas if you want to inspire to do someone, don't tell them what to do. Give them permission. You know, let, let them find their own way of doing it. So I think it's ultimately a misunderstanding of a role of communications and the role of brands and the way that you use different aspects of a marketing mix. I do also think that there is a, a really interesting part of that cultural argument. Clearly, social and digital channels are, um, or the ego, you know, the modern connected ecosystem is a fabulously inventive place. And advertising has to stand up over very best content and you know definitely humor is part of that a really strong part of it and it evolves at lightning speed that is something that i think the marketers will struggle to keep pace with and uh, you know because it's it's quite wild and it's quite untamed and that's what makes it brilliant and powerful and potent so i think that even when marketers do understand all of the, the role of brands and the role of how to influence and um, incorporating messages then it can be quite difficult to i suppose take you know to be brave enough to just go with the flow and let your agencies and you know other other people you know your creatives guide you to what is going to be most powerful and 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 the new ways that humor is incorporated and the way that it works in nanoseconds rather than long form storylines that's an interesting point don because obviously you know you you boast experience from you know uh, adam and eve and publicists and many great agencies what trends have you seen change have you well before i ask that i want to ask what advice 
do you sort of have for brands who are scared to put a foot wrong, especially in a time like now that seems so sensitive, what with COVID-19? Yeah. So what advice can I can I give brands and COVID? I would sort of look to history in order to embrace the present and the future. And what history says is that humour works. Okay. Humour is one of the most powerful creative weapons you've got. Being safe, trying to play safe and do the right thing is probably the most dangerous strategy that there is. Because no one will see you. No one will notice you. No one will care. No one will do anything as a result. Emotion is the most powerful way to create behavioral change. And humor is the sharpest elements of creating emotion. So I think the riskiest thing you can do is overthinking things. The best thing you can do is go with your gut and get a really good gut reaction for something that makes you feel something. Now, that doesn't have to be humor, but it should make you care. With John Lewis, when we did it at Adam and Eve, it was, you know, the classic strategy of, you know, making people cry to make them buy. So that wasn't so much using humor, although it did incorporate some elements of it. But it was mostly about creating that sense of thoughtfulness and caringness. And the way you told a long format story was incorporating elements of humor, but it wasn't the primary thing. So I I just think go with your gut, make people feel something when when buying work. And that could be, you know, that could be a social post or a tweet or whatever, or it could be a longer form content. Do you think, Tom, that there might, is there a science to being funny as a brand? You know, is is there a sort of a knack to it that you can perfect so you're not stepping over the line, but you're always hitting that perfect light tone? <laughs> the science of, of humour. Look, if I knew I'd be, I'd be far richer from uh, <laughs> my am. But yeah, I mean, Jimmy Carr would say there's definitely a science to humour, but then he went to Unilever. So uh, originally he was a Unilever brand manager, so he'd know about these things. Creativity by its definition is fairly untamed. As soon as you try and put anything into a formula too far, you lose the essence of of the original formula in the first place. So I'd be slightly nervous about trying to scienceify it and over-codify it. I wonder if it's a little bit like racing driving. Like maybe you have to overstep the line in order to understand where the line is a little bit when it comes to stuff like this. Or just hire funny people. Yeah, and for hire funny people. And, you know, I think the important thing is to understand whether you want to embrace emotion as a brand, and if so, what kind of emotion, and where humour can add something special. And, you know, sort of the moment for that's most powerful. So there's a media thing in here as well. Like people on a Monday morning, people are in a different mindset to a Friday evening, right? And to some extent, it's a category thing as well. You know, I'm not, you know, do you always want to be funny when it comes, I don't know, it comes to financials, to pensions or something? I, 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 I don't know. But there's probably a context thing uh, to some degree. But I wouldn't try and where I think people get into trouble is by trying to create a certain kind of formula around a where they get really prescriptive about the kind of humor they want to deploy and you end up with very formulaic scripts or of, of, of whatever kind of content right short or long form um, so I'm nervous of formulas but I would embrace I'd embrace experimentation and just understand your audience as well just like and what they're what for what are they into and why are they into it you know because there are so many different shades of humor um, I'm sure someone smarter than me has done a codification of different types of humor but it's useful to know what you want your role as a brand to be. How you get there, I'd say, is a continuous act of experimentation. Just this way, every relationship is a continuous act of experimentation. You know, you want to be yourself, but keep evolving. 
Tom, and drawing on your experience as well for a second, would you say, you know, the, the deficit in humour that you're seeing, is this a sort of momentary blip or is it something that we would come back to? Is Would you say advertising is a lot like fashion in that, you know, we sometimes go full circle between the trends and between what's popular? Yeah, um, advertising is faddish and we're going through a particularly bleak fad at the moment of being as dull as possible. But there is a, you know, there's a structural long-term, the, the data seems to indicate there's a, a structural long-term decline. Like this aeroplane isn't a nosedive that is a dangerous dangerous situation the danger is that we end up making a lot of cultural landfill and agents it means that agencies won't have a role in the future if you play that story out because content creators and independents will be able to deliver impactful stuff better than agencies will so agencies need to get on top of this agencies need to understand that the soft stuff is the hardest stuff of all in terms of driving impact for your client and will show you that if you can make your money, uh, make your client more money from anyone else, they'll stay with you. You know, that's what it, what that's what this is all about. This is ultimately about selling. But the act of selling, as people like Bill Birnbach really understood, the act of selling is a radical act. To, to sell something, you shouldn't go into sales mode. You're an uninvited guest in people's lives. And what you need to do is inspire them and make them care. That's an art, not a science. Comes back to the definition of brands acting a lot more like humans um, as well. I suspect we've got time for a final question. I mean, you mentioned there about uh, creators, the two sides butting heads almost. Uh, do you think there's sort of like a way forward, I suppose, with influencer marketing and the way brands have been working with creators a lot more in that sense? I think creators are great. With a caveat, as long as they're creative and the best creators are really creative and they know what their audiences need, they know what their audiences love, they can see it in the metrics, they can see it in the feedback. And, you know, that's a really strong, direct relationship. It's like, you know, playing on stage in front of a live audience, you're getting immediate visceral feedback as to what's what people are into. So I think creatives can be really powerful and certainly the best creators, like anything, you know, in life, the best creators just have that magic instinct for spontaneity as much as for, for planned stuff and they allow their authentic selves to come forward in a very natural way and that can be very powerful for, for brands but as as with all kinds of stuff there's also a bunch of bog standard creators who are bog ordinary and lack the magic you know and so i think there's a sort of a just as with creative work and creative agencies there's a hierarchy there's a darwinian thing but you know can creators be a brilliant thing for brands yeah absolutely are all of them brilliant things for brands absolutely not it's a good note to end on, Don. We'll wrap up there. Um, thank you for some, you know, fan fascinating insights and for sharing your data with us on uh, humour in advertising. And fingers crossed, yeah, thank you. we'll get the funny back cool. soon. <laughs> thank you. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. I mean, really, really interesting discussion there, Eve, with uh, Don from Cantar, obviously. And I, I imagine that we, me and you, have both got some opinions on this because uh, while Don mm. was that very much speaking about, uh, you know, traditional advertising, including TV. We don't usually seem to see the same things on social. You know, it's a very expressive platform and creators are quite funny. You know, the other week we spoke to a TikTok comedian, you know, and, and we know there are a lot more comedians on the platform. I mean, being an avid user of Twitter, you know, what, what what's your sort of take on humor? And, and do you think it's, uh, you know, like you were hinting at in that interview, a different sort of style compared to, you know, what we're used to seeing on TV advertising? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Twitter is 100% uh, somewhere where brands can go to be funny, because the users certainly do. 
And it's it's not just Twitter, you know, it is platforms like TikTok, but you see it on, you know, even Facebook and Instagram. That's where brands, I think, feel the most comfortable being funny. That being said, I, I still think that there's not as many brands as there should be taking that approach, which is what I was um, asking of Dom, you know, why, why he thought that is. And, you know, for whatever reason it might be, I think the fact that social does have such a unique sense of humour, I think it's either brands sometimes don't feel comfortable doing it because just out of what, you know, I've seen from brands in the past, they're a bit too scared of getting it wrong. So it goes back to what Dom was saying about taking that leap and being brave, but also a bit of a lack of education around the type of humour that works on social, which can be really hard to get wrong. Because as Dom very rightly said, as soon as you get a bit too formulaic, you lose that natural humour. So you can't really engineer it. You kind of just have to put it in the hands of the right people who know the platforms because it is very easy to spot when a brand is trying to be, you know, social funny, but just doesn't quite get there. Um, But that's not to say I don't think that they should try. I think that they should crack a few eggs first and just give it a go because, you know, a tweet, one bad tweet's not the end of the world. It's, It's gone in 40 seconds. So you may as well give it a go, right? I completely agree with you. And I'm, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day and it's something we've tried to define before, but it's so difficult. Like I'll see certain memes and certain content and it will make me laugh like nothing else. And I won't be able to explain it at all. I won't be able to explain what's so funny about it. But to the next person, it might completely deadpan. And I think mm. that has been one of the you know major differences with social is that it's so at times so specific to certain types of audiences compared to TV, which is obviously mass broadcast. And if you're advertising, you know, prime time, you're banking that 99% of people are going to find what you're saying funny, whereas social is a lot more open to interpretation, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good point because things that I think I know social humor really well, but actually I'm, you know, like anywhere else, I'm just laughing at what I think is funny. And I have had occasions where, yeah, you absolutely die at some something and then show it to someone else and they're like are you okay it's not that funny um but you're right your tv humor is like very family friendly um yeah like just trying to get that that mass appeal uh, which you can't really do on social so i imagine for brands that's something that puts them off as well but it, again it comes down to like dom said knowing your audience and even though everyone does have different you know types of humor chances are if you know them well enough you know you've got a pretty good shot of getting it right i do agree with uh dom and i think to an extent i think you made this point as well eve that it seems that you know we have really really gone headfirst into brand purpose and we know brand purpose can be many different things but when we think about brand purpose we are thinking about you know the the environment we are thinking about real big societal issues that brands have sort of set themselves up to address. And I wonder if, you know, as an industry, we've been partly responsible for that, for leading brands down one kind of path because of the times. And because I think it's it's very hard to be funny on a Wednesday, but then ultra serious about a topic on a Thursday. I mean, some brands are good at towing that line, but others, you know, it just seeks to confuse and I suspect looks a bit odd. Yeah, I, I I think there's been like way too much of a merge between your brand's purpose and the brand advertising. Like 
fix the climate, do sustainable things, be helpful, be amazing. Don't make that all your adverts all the time. It's your creative messaging and your personality should be completely aside from the things that you're doing in, you know, your operations, whether that's for just running your business or, um, you know, doing these purpose-driven things, which I think now everyone kind of expects you to be doing. And I think the the bad thing is that brands are still more caught up in saying, oh, look what we've done and making a massive deal out of something small that they've done instead of just doing it and having other things to talk about in their messaging. I think that's where it's getting repetitive and boring and dull. And yes, people care about the climate. Do they want to hear it from every brand all the time? No, like do something fun, do something creative, um, but let us see that you're actually still, you know, doing that sustainable stuff on the side. I completely agree. And, and you know, over the course of this conversation, I've been j- trying to sort of think about getting to the sort of root of it. And I don't know if you'd agree, but one sort of observation I've made and a lot of social humor can be quite self deprecating in a way. And that's what sometimes makes it funny because it's quite raw and it's sort of reality. And I wonder if every brand is comfortable at sort of being self deprecating and almost admitting its flaws. I don't think they are. I mean, we always talk about um, sort of fast food brands being quite silly, but then there are other brands that can hold themselves up and sort of, you know, make a joke at their expense. But I mean, to, I mean, to see that coming from a major corporation, I just don't think that's a reality that we see too often. Yeah. And I think like fast food brands are probably the best to do it, but even then they're more likely to take the mick out of each other than themselves. I think it can be like, it can be powerful when it's done just because it'll be a bit unexpected and you think, okay, fair play. But I think there's definitely a limit to that. Like, a self-deprecating joke once in a while is funny, but if that's like something you're doing quite a lot, it's, you know, you start to feel a bit sorry for the person. Like, are you, are you actually okay? Stop making these jokes. And for a brand, I think that would just be a bit overkill. Like you don't want to, you don't want to do yourself down too much. Uh, there are lots of types of humor that work really well on social that users love. TikTok, dark humor, black humor is rife and people love it and they're really good at it. But that is not something I'd recommend a brand to do because it's a different, it's a different position that you're coming from, you know. You're, you're trying to sell things and you do have a whole business to consider and people are very easily offended. So I, I wouldn't suggest that. I think, you know, you can take inspiration from the way that users are joking on social, but I don't think like the silly, like you say, like fast food brands have that silliness. That's fine. That's just enough to take, I think, and still do very well. But I wouldn't worry about being 100% up on every single trend all the time because some of it's just better left alone. I mean, it's something that we say repeatedly on this podcast as well, but- I think, you know, in any of these situations, it is, as you as you rightly said, about hiring the right people, about the people who are yeah. well-versed in that yeah. language, in that tone. And I suppose it's not necessarily always social media managers or community managers. It could be anybody. It could be the creators yeah. you work with. It could be, you know, just somebody to sort of manage a tone of voice even, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, it's, it's very hard to try and like teach someone else why something is funny. Remember when we spoke to the guys from Student Problems, because they obviously they're whole life is creating memes and jokes on their massive Facebook pages um, and they said themselves the stuff that they post I think it was Sam said he doesn't even find half of it funny he just knows that the audience does and so when you're trying to explain you're trying to ask them to explain you know what's what's funny about this he literally can't tell you he's just like we just know that it works like it's the most niche meme ever but it's it's not something you can explain and for that reason I think it is just important to uh, yeah hire the right people and just let them do it and sort of trust them it, it's hard as well because imagine I imagine management uh, with clients and stuff is always like, please explain to me why this is funny and why we're posting this. 
uh, and you can't even explain it to them. So it really is just about trusting, you know, that they know what they're on about and letting their evidence and engagement do the talking, maybe. I completely agree. Yeah, trust is the principal word. And and as we keep saying again, you know, not being afraid to make mistakes because, uh, you know, it's like with anything, isn't it? It's not real, real like a proverb, but you are not going to really get anywhere unless you make a few mistakes on social. And God only knows many of us individually have made mistakes on social and probably posted things yeah. that we probably wouldn't now for better or for worse. But no. And it's not as permanent as an advert. Like you remember a bad advert. I bet you can name five off the drop of a hat. But you you look to this day uh, for an example of like a a fail tweet or brand fails on social. You can't pull anything up because no one writes about it. No one documents it. It doesn't matter. Like it's it doesn't really doesn't matter as much as people think it does. It's it's gone within a day. And while it happens every day, brands hit the wrong mark every day. You know, they uh, make a bit of a failed joke every day that's not that funny. There's literally, I promise you, Google it. They're nowhere to be found. You know, people don't hang on to them the way they hang on to bad ads. They just don't. I 100% agree with you on that point. And as well, it's probably a good time to say that, you know, let's let's keep this debate going on. Let's keep this conversation going on. If anybody has anything to add to this, obviously mm. we've got the Social Minds Facebook group. So please go there and, you know, share your thoughts on humour in advertising and where it's going, if you think it's on the up, if you think it's on the down. And uh, let's, let's see what else we can add to this conversation because it is a real uh, pressing topic and one that is, you know, naturally that we can all relate to. Yeah, absolutely. Love to hear your thoughts and maybe share um, examples of some funny ads or social posts that you thought were funny as well. I want to see how how much our humour varies. Completely agree. On that note, we'll we'll leave it there. It's been good catching up with uh, Dom and obviously you, Eve, for this final bit. And uh, we'll see everybody soon for the next episode. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. 